Well, uh, good morning again. So happy to be able to be here this morning. Like I said earlier, it is our graduation Sunday. It is a uh, we've had already one who has graduated. Wesley Hall graduated yesterday, and we've got uh, four more to graduate here in the next few weeks. We're just so incredibly proud of these seniors. Uh, before we get started, let's pray. Dear God, just thank you for this day, Lord. Just thank you for all the many blessings that you've given us. Lord, we love you. We love you so, so much because you love us so much. Lord, be with these seniors as they graduate high school and uh, take on the next journey of their life. And be with us as a, as a church to be able to support them and to back them up when they need backing up and to give them the examples that they need. Lord, we love you so much and most of all for your son and his name. Amen. So back in 2017, LifeWay, uh, the website, did a survey um, concluding that 66% of ages 18 to 21, 66% of those out of 100 leave the church, 66%, which is actually better than a 2007 study, which was 70%. And before that was 75% back in 2000. So it's getting better, but uh, that is a crazy stat. That should scare you, because uh, it definitely scares me. But the survey was, is why are five reasons why seniors are 18 to 21, why do they leave the church? I'm going to give you these five, okay? Number one, moving to college, which understandably they're uh, moving to a different place. They don't know anybody. They're um, strangers, per se, but moving to college. Number two, church members seem judgmental or hypocritical. This is from this survey. Number three, I didn't feel connected to people in my church. That was number three. Number four, I disagree with the church's stance on political and social issues. That's number four. Number five, my work responsibilities prevented me from attending. Now, you probably have sat next to somebody 10 years ago that are not here anymore. And they're probably one of these five reasons on why they're not here. Coming out of high school and coming out of college in the last 10 years, I've seen this firsthand. I've seen best friends. I've seen family members. I've seen teenagers of our own walk away without a single thought, a second thought. And I don't know about you, but it's really hard for me to see at each and every time, but I do believe as a church we can do something to combat that statistic. Because once again, it is a statistic and we can change that. But I believe that we here at Creekwood have a group of seniors who love God. I want to emphasize this. I think we have a group of seniors of five who love God, who want to do his will and want to remain connected to the church. But you may be wondering is how can I help? I hope this is the question that you have. I hope you don't just want to sit there and not do anything about it. We all have a responsibility to these teenagers and these children just as everybody else. But I hope you, the question you're asking is how can I help? And you should be asking that. But here's how we're going to work together to invest in our youth. I'm actually going to take some notes from David that I've heard over the past years and I'm going to use um, an acronym. I love when he does this and it made kind of plain and simple for me. We're going to start with A. Adapt. Adapting to change. 
I'm not just talking to the seniors here, I'm talking to the church here at Creekwood. We need to be able to adapt to change, meet these kids where they're at. I've got to experience a lot of them over the past going on five years, and I've got to see how we as a church have to adapt. I'll give you an example. When I was younger, I think my dad might be watching this, so he'll, he'll get a kick out of this. My dad is not an inside person. He's just not. He is a country boy. If there's any other easy way to put it, he just is that. Well, I am not a quote-unquote country boy. I am a what you would call a city boy. I like to be inside. I like air conditioning, and that's why I have an office job, and I don't do what he does. <laughs> so I, I learned over time that my dad loved to be outside, but yet he really loved to spend time with me. So when I was little, about eight, seven or eight, we bought, um, we bought a gaming console. We bought a Nintendo GameCube. I still have that GameCube, by the way. And I used to have these, I used to have all these racing games. My dad loves racing games. He loves cars in general. But I remember when I was really little, instead of making me go outside and clean his boat, we would sit in my bedroom and we would play GameCube. And then after that, we bought an Xbox and uh, we ended up playing that. Actually, when I was with him this week, we did the same thing. We spent quality time doing that. But that wasn't something that he particularly wanted to do. But he had, was invested in me. He met me where I was. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 33, it reads, Just as I try to please everyone in everything, I do not seek my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Sometimes we have to meet people where they are. I could think of a really great man, Paul. The Apostle Paul ministered to the Gentiles and was nothing like a Gentile. He was educated in the laws of the Jews. He was a student. He was a Roman citizen. He was a Pharisee. He became all things to all men so that he could save some of them. And it's something we have to do for our kids. We have to, that's something we have to do for the kids of the church. We adapt to their lead while trying to lead them. D, dive deep or dig deep. I'll give you another stat. On average, a high schooler spends 112 hours at home a week. 112 hours at home a week. And they spend about three hours within the walls of this church a week. That's a big difference. It's a huge difference of time. We have to start asking the seniors, your parents, grandparents, members, if you're over for, for dinner, ask these harder questions. We have to ask these hard questions and dig deep with them. When I would spend time with my, my, grand, my grandparents in Auburn, I would usually go to work with, with my papa. That was kind of what I did. I would hang out with him. And he was a security guard for a bunch of nursing homes in the Auburn, Opelika area. And he would, we would work, he would work the night shift. So I would go out with him at night. We'd sleep in that morning when I was uh, there for summer vacation. We'd sleep in, and, but we'd work at night. I'd walk around the, the nursing homes with him. But we would take breaks. And every time we took a break, he would just ask me questions, harder questions each time we got uh, further and further into it. But he knew where I needed to start. But he asked me, those hard questions. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, read it with me. 
But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not ready for it. For you are still of the flesh, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in human ways? I have a five-month-old, and I would not dare give her solid food, <laughs> ever. Not right now. That would be catastrophic in my household. So she takes the milk, she, she drinks the milk so that she can be able to get strong. She can be able to, to grow. But at some point we have to get past the milk. In Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14, it reads, For though this by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by the constant practice to distinguish good from evil. I always hear this, this phrase, is we need to equip these young people to be able to serve in the world. But we can't only equip them for three hours a week. Three hours a week is not enough time when there's 112 hours that you spend at home where you could be discerning from good and evil, taking in that meat. So dig deep, dive deep. You understand. You have to be able to understand. Once again, my time as a youth minister has taught me a lot of very important lessons we have a lot of really, really great kids. One of the greatest lessons that I've learned, and I hope you can too, is that these kids will take something to heart. Whether that's they see a kid that's new, they sit with them. Whether that's a kid that they've never really met before, they don't know much about, they'll talk to them. There's somebody sitting on the bus by themselves, they'll talk to them. They, they've invested in each other. Now, sometimes we have to encourage it. Sometimes I'll nudge them, hey, go sit with so-and-so. They're sitting by themselves. But most of the time, they take it upon themselves. They hang out with each other. They hold each other accountable. That's something I've seen over the past five years is that they hold each other accountable, but they hold their, their feelings on their shoulders, too. They get very hurt. They're better than you would think about empathizing with others. And these kids, let me just tell you something. These Creekwood kids, they love really, really hard. I get to experience that every day. And I hope that you can invest and take the time to see how hard these kids love you. Because they do love you. But you have to understand where they come from. So that's you, L, love. As a church, we have to love these kids so hard back. They sometimes don't see it, and they sometimes don't feel it. They sometimes feel like they're just part of this one little youth group bubble. 
That's something I've really emphasized in this class on Wednesday, and I really appreciate all the, the teachers that have taught that class. And I hope it's been eye-opening for you, uh, and I encourage you, we will, you're not off the hook. I will, we will be starting it back in August, so if you want to do that, I please really do encourage you to. But I've seen these adults come in these classes and really just be vulnerable with these students and to be loving and to be understanding, but not only to be loving, but to show the love that they have for the church here at Creekwood. One of the questions on the little handout that I gave them was, what were you like before you were a Christian? And everybody has a different story, and that's perfectly okay, but they all ended up back here. They beat that statistic. That statistic wasn't just in the past 10 years. This has been going on for a very long time of people leaving the church. But one common thing that each teacher had in, in common was they continued to always come back to the church because they love the church. They love the people of the church. But not only that, they love Jesus. We have to invest in our teenagers. We have to show them this love, poor love into them. I asked a few weeks ago, and maybe not a few weeks, maybe a, couple, maybe a month or so ago, I asked the teenagers, how do they want to live more like a Christian? I got a lot of different answers, as you could imagine. I want to pray more. I want to read my Bible more. I want to be able to, to not be so closed off. I want to be more open-minded. I want, to, I want to do this, that, and the other. But Wesley said something that stuck out to me. Um, he said, I want to live like 1 Corinthians 13. And as a youth minister, that is like, let's go. We've done it. We figured it out. We, we cracked the code. But when he said that, he, he, he emphasized, I want to be more loving. I want to be more loving. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own ways, but rejoices, or, and not rejoice at the wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for, for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesize in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When he said that, it, it it made me take a step back and really think, how can I live more like this? This is the agape love. This is the love that God has for his people. But this is the love that we can mimic as God's people. These kids love so hard. If we want to keep them here, as I do, maybe not here at Creekwood, but in the church, in the kingdom, we've got to love them. We have to love. And the last is T, for trust. We have to be able to trust that they know what they're doing when they leave. That is a very hard thing. I'm not a parent of a teenager, so I can't imagine the emotions that my, my parents are going through, and we will, we will have our tears here in a little bit when we watch a slideshow, and that's okay. But we have to be able to trust that we, that you, have done a good enough job of equipping them and understanding what their purpose is, what their jobs are. If I polled every teenager in here, what is the one thing that I, 
I preached to them more often, and I guarantee you they would all say the same thing, is what is your job? It's to get to heaven and get others to heaven. That's what I've preached to them for five, going on five years. I've beat it into their heads. <laughs> that and what is the good news. That's another one we've, we've kind of got into. But we've equipped them. We've tried to equip them for this sole purpose. In Matthew 28, the Great Commission, verse 16, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That is what we are equipping our young people to know. Is that what we are doing? Is that what you are doing? I don't know if you were able to spell out what, what it was that I was listing, the letters. It spells adult. It spells adult. And seniors, wherever you are, I can't see all of you. You are entering, Rebecca's waving. You are entering into adulthood. It doesn't mean you can't still be a college kid, and it still doesn't mean you can't come up and say hey to me or whatever, but you enter adulthood. We all enter that at some point. But we have to be adults about God. We have to adapt. We have to dig deep. We have to understand. We have to love. And we have to trust. A few, I guess it was last weekend, we had the the young adults day out at GCBC, and I was on a panel. And Nathan Simpson asked the question, how do, how do I make sure that my kids stay in the church when they leave? It's a very difficult question. And once again, and say this, they are teenagers and they are going to make their own decisions. But ultimately, we have to invest in them. That means taking time that means adapting to them, who they are, where they are, where they stand. We have to dig deep with them. We have to understand where they come from. We have to love them and we have to trust them. We have to be adults about it. And I want to end with this. And I love this verse. And when I was in high school, this was the verse that I kind of, kind of had to focus on for myself. Because I wasn't the adult that I wanted to be. Once again, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, when I, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, and when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face now, I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. The greatest of all of those is love. So, church, Creekwood, I want to challenge you to love our teens. They're just as nervous to talk to you as you are to talk to them. Teenagers are daunting. I get it. I work with them. They can be uh, 
they could be rough around the edges sometimes. And there's some of some of them are weird, but I love them. And they would say that. They would say that about themselves. Don't be scared of them. Invest in them. When you see them, when you see them today, when you see the, the four seniors standing up there, go give them a hug. They might be awkward about it. Go give them a hug. Show them that you love them. Show them that you're invested in them. Show them that you want them to succeed and not leave the church and be part of that terrible, scary statistic. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want that statistic to go up any higher. But the only people that can change it is us, is the church. And we have to be adults about it. This morning, if you feel as if you need to, to be more of an adult, be more loving, be more understanding, and be more trusting, we would love to help you. And for seniors, I'm proud of y'all. Y'all have done a really great job. But this morning, if you need the prayers of the church, you need to come forward. Please come forward as we stand and as we sing.